Shalom. This is Jonathan Feldstein in the Judean Mountains. It is a privilege to be with you today in the first formal episode of this exciting podcast called Inspiration from Zion. I pray that you will continue to join us for our other episodes as we bring you current events, connections with people who have interest and stories connected to the land and the people. Uh, It's exciting for me to get started here with you today and break in by sharing something that's been on my heart for a long time and that I'm connected with. Why are you connected with me? Why are you listening to this? Of course, you have an interest in Israel if you're following inspiration from Zion, but why me? So as an Orthodox Israeli Jew, American-born but living here since 2004, whose father was born here, I have had a special privilege and calling to be a a bridge builder between Jews and Christians since the late 1980s. And in the context, I've been exposed to many things that most Jewish people are not and had the privilege of making wonderful, wonderful friends among Christians who love me as a person, but love me because I'm a Jew unconditionally and love the land and state and people of Israel. So I want to start out with a very personal story about something that's unfortunately more current events related than I'd like. Back in 2017, I was contacted by an Israeli filmmaker to help with the project she was working on. I don't recall how we were introduced uh, or who connected us, but because it was relating to, to Christian support for Israel, it was something that was very close to me and about which I've spent a really good portion of my life and the better part of my career. So I was, I was glad to help. Uh, her name is Maya. She's a very accomplished uh, producer. And she reached out and we spoke at length by, by phone. And the next day we followed up by email. And in our first conversation, and then subsequent conversations and emails, I provided her with extensive background about the phenomena of Christian Zionism. Christian support for Israel, and why something that she legitimately didn't understand in 2017, why it's something that I was connected to in the late 1980s, and I didn't understand, but how over the decades, I learned so much about it and have been blessed. It's really been a a blessing in my life. She asked me to help open doors with people that she could include in her film, maybe as subjects, or at least get additional information. And the next day, right after our first conversation, She sent me an email per my suggestion as a way of introducing herself, which then I would use to share this with others to introduce her. And I I, I dug up those emails. You'll you'll get to know me. I'm a hoarder. Uh, I dug up those emails. They're easy to save. And I found her original email back to me. And this is what she wrote. She said, Jonathan, I've started working on a new documentary. Excuse me. I started working on a new documentary on a subject that I find incredibly fascinating and timely, the relationship between Israel and Christian in the Christian world. For the past few months, I've been reading about this evolving friendship that is benefiting Israel. In a time when religious tensions are high, I feel that it's extremely important to understand and convey the firm bond between Jews and Christians, and it is clear that the relationship that you've established speaks volumes to this cause. Then she concluded, I look forward to setting up a meeting and getting to know one another. Well, we did. We did set up a meeting. 
It was at the, at the big mall in Jerusalem in one of the uh, cafes in the food court. Uh, I was really engaged by Maya and her, um, her smile and, her, uh, and just her pleasantness, as well as her background. You see, Maya, I connected with her on two very personal levels. She made Aliyah. She moved to Israel, if I remember correctly, as a child from the Soviet Union. And that's something I spent a lot of time working on when I was young in my earlier life, freeing Jews from the Soviet Union. That's a topic maybe we'll, we'll discuss at another time. Um, through my involvement, I had several minutes of national TV fame in the United States, which I shared about, uh, about this with her. And I even negotiated a TV movie contract, which of course was her business. And so she was interested in that. We also connected because she grew up on a kibbutz, a, a, uh, um, com a communal uh, village, if you will, where, where some of my father's cousins lived. And she knew them. And so I felt, from my perspective, that we were really almost like family. There was a natural uh, affinity from my perspective. And I wanted to help. I wanted to help her, as she wrote, as she said, understand and convey the firm bond between Jews and Christians and the evolving friendship that is benefiting Israel. She gave, and in the course of our, our conversation, she even gave me some movie title that really meant nothing to me, but it was cool. And I thought, wow, great. I'm going to be of help just to, to share with the world what the phenomena of Christian support for Israel is about. And I did. I attempted to make a number of introductions for her, including some of my A-list. A few Christian friends agreed, and some actually spoke to her and, and reached out by email or other means. Some didn't respond. And the remainder who did respond, while they trusted me, said they didn't know her or her agenda and were not prepared to open up to someone they didn't know at the risk of being misrepresented. Now, I thought that was weird. Honestly, I was surprised by this. However, in hindsight, that taught me a lot, and they were right to be suspicious. And that's why I'm sharing this with you today. I'm glad they didn't engage her, because if they had spoken with her, and certainly on camera, they legitimately have the right to feel burned by her or me, which is something that I had, would never want associated with my friendship with these people with whom I tried to connect her. So I let it go. And after some time, I stopped hearing from Maya. So did my friends who engaged with her. And I assumed, okay, she decided either that she wasn't going to do the film, she took a different direction in her film, or she had other sources and didn't need me anymore. And really truthfully, I was fine with either. I'm busy enough. I don't look for things to fill my day. If I could have been happy, if I could have been helpful, I would have been glad to have been helpful. But I assume maybe she just casted others in her film who played the part better. And that, that came back to when the film actually came out. Two years later, I discovered that it did. And the movie came out under the title, Till Kingdom Come. And you're welcome to uh, email me and I'm happy to provide you some information about that, um, including a link. Um, the film was airing on Israeli national TV. So I watched it. I was interested, of course. And after I watched it, I sent her an email and I congratulated her for finishing the project. And pleasantly, she wrote back and asked, the, asked me for my input on, on what I thought. But I never responded. And I didn't because while the cinematography was really beautiful, stunning in some places, like jaw-dropping stunning. I didn't think she did a good job and I had no reason to tell her. I gave her a two thumbs down. I figured that she did her thing, 
She finished her project. Maybe she had some fun. She got some visibility in the Israeli media. And that was that. And the project was over. But I was wrong. Recently, I was really disappointed to discover that her film has been making its way around American and American Jewish film festivals and even in other countries. And if I'm not mistaken, it was dubbed into German, and I believe also Norwegian. I spent a lot of time reading reviews, rewatching the film multiple times and watched hours of interviews and question and answer sessions that she and her co-producer, Abi, did following the virtual screenings one after the other. And there were several that I was able to find. This was not hidden. The reviews correctly pointed out that the topic is controversial. I have yet to find one of the reviews that other than praising her cinematographic, cinematic, well, her, the, the quality of her film across the board, everyone felt that the topic was controversial and that the reasons for uh, Christian support were nefarious, evil, even unholy. When you watch the film, that's what comes across. So how else could it be interpreted or reviewed? But the portrayal of Christians in her film is skewed at best, and I really believe even misleading and dishonest. Now, some people say that I shouldn't even be giving exposure to her film, that it's going to create a rift between Jews and Christians even further, that it will continue to uh, cause um, disunity among Jews and Christians, and that it will push Christians further away from Jews, not just Jews further away from Christians. Well, I prayed about it a lot. And when I realized that the real controversy in what she presented was material that she edited out, what was misrepresented, and even things that I learned recently that were entirely made up, there was no way that I could put this to rest because my life is about building bridges. And if anyone, Jew or Christian, were to watch this and come away with that being the subject matter, that that being the imp impression of the, the motivation that supports, that's why Christians support Israel, there was no way I could let that stand. And that's why we're having this conversation today. Maya, ultimately in her film, explores one facet of a slice of evangelical Christian support for Israel at a single point in time. Basically, it's a snapshot. Now, if you take a picture of anything, you can't, you can make up a story about that picture, but all you know is what's happening at that moment. Well, Maya did that. She made up a story. She took a single moment in time with a single uh, depiction of Christians as a single white ethnic group in one country. And she builds upon that to allow the viewer to to take this very, very narrow image and, and, and represent this as if it's a broad movement of sorts, as if she's extrapolating, not as if she's extrapolating, that because of what she presents is at that instance is how all Christian support for Israel is and what it's about. And the problem is it's not. 
at some point in time, and I looked for it in writing, I didn't, I, I remember her saying it. She thought she was depicting a love story. Wow, that's charming. That's really beautiful. Now, now, I wanted to be part of that because I feel the love. I am blessed as an Orthodox Jew to feel the love from Christians all over the world. And I really, really mean that with every fiber of my being. But just about everything that Maya's film does ties Christian support either to a strange and, and I would say mutually dysfunctional relationship with former President Donald Trump or end time theology that's projecting Israel's destruction. She never spoke or certainly represented the opinions of many of my Asian, Black, Hispanic, American Christian friends, or anyone else who's no less evangelical and firm in their support of Israel, but whose opinions of Donald Trump range from conflicting to loathing. She didn't speak to people who considered themselves Christian, but not evangelical, and who support Israel firmly. She certainly never represented the huge Central and South American, African, and Asian churches where love for Israel is unconditional. It's biblically rooted, and it has nothing to do with American politics at all. So if, as Maya projected many times, she intends to tell a love story, I came away feeling that her love story is that of, a, of an angry ex-lover, perhaps a documentary version of the film Basic Instinct. Well, there are certainly Christian Zionists who, who were and are supporting of Donald Trump. And there are certainly those who, who believe end times theology. Now, as a friend of mine reminded me, that's based in the Old Testament, in our Torah, the Tanakh. So, of course, there are people who believe that. Even Jews believe it, but we believe it differently. This film represents, however, a one-sided, biased perspective of Christian support for Israel that had she chosen to, had she cared to provide a well-researched, balanced look, would have looked very different, would have expressed a much wider and deeper reality. And I believe, as you're listening to this, you know some of the truths that she didn't represent, which I want to begin to unpack for you. In an accurate and balanced depiction, Maya would have shown that not every Christian Zionist is the caricature that she uses in her as her Christian actors to play their role in her film. She, what you would see, you would know that not every Christian Zionist is a white Southerner with a stereotypical Southern accent. You would see that there are a diverse range of Christians who support Israel who did not and do not support Donald Trump. You would see that the driving force behind their support for Israel is rooted in the biblical imperative of Genesis 12:3, where God sets before you not just a commandment, I will bless those who bless you, but a formula. He's giving you a blessing back for blessing Israel. God doesn't say, bless Israel, I am the Lord your God. But guess what? If he had, we, Jews and Christians, would love Israel all the same. And if she had depicted a sincere, broad, diverse, honest exposure, 
one would see that the support for Israel is based on overwhelming, unconditional love. And sometimes even grief and repentance for the evils for which the church is responsible vis-a-vis -vis the Jews. And maybe we'll talk about that too at another time. If she were to widen the lens, one would see that Christian support for Israel is global, which means it's not connected to Trump or US policy at all. But honestly, Maya's film barely scratches the surface of all of that. She's made a topic that's complex and complicated for Jews to understand into one that's confrontational at its DNA. In the end, Maya becomes a prophet in her own film. In her post-production interviews and the Q&A sessions, she speaks of her relationship or the relationship with evangelicals as people who are not honest with one another. This is echoed, I, I, I heard her co-producer, Abi, short for Abraham, who speaks of evangelicals as people who use this relationship for their own purposes. After seeing the film, one's not surprised to hear this. The surprising thing is that they don't see the irony in their own statements. While they're looking into the cameras on their computer in a Zoom session with, with hundreds of other people, they actually come out and say this without a sim simple moment of irony that they're doing exactly the same. And that reminds me of one of my childhood favorite films, Snow White, where it's as if they're looking into the mirror and saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's using this film for their own purposes the most of all? Well, there were several Q&A sessions and I watched them and I rewatched them and I felt like they're just preaching to the choir. What was shocking to me the first time is that Maya is just showing her cards and her bias with no shame. That's not something that I expect of a film producer. What I was especially shocked about is that others don't see this bias or have a problem with it. It's quite astounding from an intellectual integrity perspective, how you could see that and how you could have facts put in your face and not care is simply, simply dismaying to me. Some of the questions that, I, that, that especially echoed from the audience in the Q&A sessions basically affirmed her depiction as one, what, what one man said, quote, an evangelical impulse that is cynical. And another woman said, it's even frightening. One question, draws a silly parallel between what I have uh, understood from her perspective, the twin evil and anti-liberal communities of ultra-Orthodox Jews, quote, in Brooklyn and these evangelicals. It's puzzling why during one of the filmings that I watched or screenings and the Q&A session hosted by the JCC of Manhattan, the Jewish Community Center, the staff member who was hosting the, the uh, production repeatedly offered the opportunity for, for the viewers to promote the film as if it was a cause, as if it was something people needed to get behind. 
and he even and he even implored the viewers. He said, "You can contact me at some email address to quote get involved with, help, and get the word out." Now, I've been in nonprofit work for almost four decades. I've worked with with people in Jewish community centers all over the United States. I don't understand for my life how and why it's appropriate for for a role of a JCC anywhere to promote and fund such a film or any film. That's not their role. So I felt like here we are with the bias now is even looking more strange because you have perhaps maybe the phrase is interested parties wanting to quote unquote get the word out because they like the bias that's being depicted. And lo and behold, when I rewatched that particular Q&A session, something jumped out. Three of the sponsors, the Forward, which is, I think, still printed uh, once a week, but it's certainly an online um, Jewish, predominantly Jewish media uh, institution that goes back over 100 years, I think, in the United States, has a great history. The New Israel Fund and another lobbying group called J Street these were three sponsors of that production, and they universally come from a left-wing perspective. Now, my question that came from that is whether the role, their role, in that, in that event was to promote their agenda, because the film affirms that agenda, or if somehow they just realize that the film serves mutual interest. It seemed to me a little bit Beyond the pale, that since there were no mainstream organizations involved with that, you just sort of had people piling on and supporting this mutual interest of getting out a nefarious message that, the, that was centered around the film. And that was overwhelming. They called into question a myriad of what I refer to as unholy alliances in the relationship between Jews and Christians. Now, if their partners were not bad enough, those partners, it was particularly noteworthy that another advocate and promoter of the film is a guy named Peter Beinart. He is a Jewish anti-Zionist pundit, and he has made ridiculous anti-Israel statements. And when you watch the session that he hosted, it's loaded with political things that even seemed extreme to me for Maya, but she played the role just fine. There's a saying, I forget it, I don't remember exactly, but it's fun to mess it up, that someone who sleeps with a strange bedfellow shouldn't throw a rock, a glasses at, uh, gla rocks at glass houses. I, I think I'm mixing up two phrases, but I think you get the point. I hope you get the point. There was a lot of strange bedfellows in this preaching to the choir. And, and it's a shame because the producers also didn't have the integrity to take that lesson to heart. If they hadn't lost the credibility on its own, uh, meaning the content of what they produced, certainly by looking at those who are promoting it as an agenda, one realizes that the loaded left-wing perspective from which it's being embraced is with, 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 with almost messianism calls their integrity into question. 
Now, I don't want to misrepresent. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want this. This is not a bashing of the left from a perspective of the right. There's nothing inappropriate from, for someone from a left-wing perspective any more than somebody coming from a right-wing perspective to support their, their, uh, their values, what they believe, and the left-wing perspective of anyone on anything on face value from my perspective does not make the film or anyone's perspective illegitimate. It's the content. And I think of Dr. King, I made up a quote, it's the content of one cinematography, not the color of the film. The content is what's in question. The content of the film and the Q&A sessions openly question the legitimacy of whether support of, of, of Christians for Israel and how that's embraced by right-wing supporters of Israel is legitimate. And it's as if they're making their own affirmations, but don't give the right for people on the other side of the political or religious spectrum to express themselves. And to me, that's academically in, without integrity. It's not fair. It's not appropriate. Of course, everyone has the right to their perspective. I grew up in America. Uh, what's the saying? I may disagree with you, but I'll fight for your right to, to say it or to, to have your opinion. I believe that. I believe that to my core. But when you present your position that is diametrically opposed and as a piece of your position that people from the other side don't have the, don't have the equal right to express their position, that's hardly a liberal perspective. Throughout the post-screening dialogues, Maya and A.B. make their agenda so abundantly clear. At one point, I wrote this down. She says, the Israeli audience needs to know about this. The American Jewish community are, are our brothers and sisters. We have a shared story with them, the same goals. We don't share the same story and goals with the evangelical community. Now, before I continue her quote, I disagree. Yes, I have a direct affinity with people who are Jewish, but Christians who who believe in who believe in hundred percent of the same Bible that I read, which is eighty percent of their Bible, eighty percent of your Bible is mine. Of course, and we worship the same God. Of course, we have a, the, the same goals and the same story. And if we look at Israel and the restoration of Israel with prophetic significance, biblical significance, of course, we have the same story and same goals. So I disagree with her and I can disagree with her in fairness. But then Maya went further and she says, Netanyahu, Israel's former prime minister, chose for us who would be our best friend. Now she crossed another line. It's not bad enough that people, who, Christians who support Israel also support Trump. And now Bibi, Prime Minister Netanyahu, is thrown in. He's sort of the, the boogeyman of, of right-wing politics here in Israel. Maya leads her viewers to believe that it's former Prime Minister Netanyahu, who by definition has been saying that evangelical Christians are Israel's best friends at the exclusion of others. 
This is what's critical. Whether you love him or whether you hate him, Netanyahu is not a stupid man. And I will tell you, if you watch the film and watch it over and over, I believe there are twice, two instances in the film. There's not a single instance that I heard, not in the film and not anywhere else on record that I'm aware of, that he said, evangelical Christians are our best friends, full stop. He sees, he's seen in the film saying, we have no better friends in the world. That's not exclusive of other friends. That's not exclusive of our Jewish friends. That's not exclusive of anyone else who's Christian or Jewish or not Christian and not Jewish. It can, it can include anyone anywhere else in the world. It's an inclusive statement that is a correct statement that many evangelical Christians are indeed some of our best friends. But Maya doesn't think so and doesn't want the viewers to think so. And so she throws Netanyahu into the mix, making the spin, just the spin that's dishonest, dizzying. Now, this kind of brings back to mind another film legend, also from, well, before my childhood, but one something that you really appreciate as a child, The Wizard of Oz. Remember the scene where Dorothy and the Tin Man and uh, Wolf, the, the Lion, sorry, and, uh, and um, huh? who's the other one? Oh gosh, help me, someone help me. Okay, the three, the three characters with Dorothy are standing there and, and somehow they've discovered the curtain and a man behind the curtain. And the wizard says, uh, this, this guy on a big screen with the smoke blowing, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, he implores. I am the great and powerful Oz. And then we, what do we learn? We learn that Oz, is nothing more than an old man behind a screen who's literally pulling the strings and levers out of view. And Maya effectively plays that role. She becomes Oz in her own film. Pay no attention. She's not on screen, but she's pulling the levers and twisting the, the comments and, mis, and, and misrepresenting in the film and after the film. She diminishes and twists the real voices. During one of the other Q&A sessions, it was really astounding. Um, uh, the other producer, I believe, A.B., says it's urgent that this become part of the consciousness of the American Jewish community of what is going on. Now, I would think if I'm making a film, I want my audience to think that that their film is urgent and it's critical that people should know, especially if it's a documentary. Know what's going on. Know that there's poverty. Know that there's uh, trafficking. Know that there's children who, who graduate high school who don't know how to read and write, whatever, whatever the cause might be. Yes, absolutely promote that. But in this case, absolutely as well. The problem is what, what is important to create the urgent awareness of is what is not represented. It doesn't create understanding. It creates a documentary lynching. A.B., the other producer, wonders aloud at one point, do they really love us? It's hard to get to the bottom of it. Now, that's ironic as well, because Maya is depicted as an expert, and she spent months making the film. If after all of this, we're left with the answer that it's hard to get to the bottom of it, then my question is, 
what expertise or authority do they actually bring to the issue? If they don't know the answer or are, or are misleading in the answer and they're only able to cast aspersions, how can the film be trusted in general to be an accurate depiction of Christian support for Israel to begin with? A friend of mine who also works building bridges among Christians said that while the film is problematic, it's in fact these conversations afterward that are even more so. Maya uses the sessions to interject information and bias that she ostensibly learned in making the film, but, but happened to leave out of the film itself. Now I get it. Making a film, you probably, if, she, if the film is a, a 110 minutes long, she probably filmed 500 or 600 or more hours. And that's probably of people on camera. So I understand that you leave things out, but we're left to take her at her own word without any substantiation. She shares just the convenient musings and scenes that support her position and her bias, but that we've never seen. So when we look at the ones that we've seen and we see her spin and how dizzying that is, how do we know that what's actually left on the cutting room floor, on the editing floor, really happened the way she says that it did? She offers no insight into why Christians actually love Israel. And she wonders about that with a sense of incredulousness. Then there's the issue of why Christians donate to Israel. Now, it's, it's, it's problematic and, and probably too much for a conversation right now. But let me just say that it's certainly not a coincidence that she happened to connect with a church in rural Kentucky that's in one of the, uh, if, if we believe her, one of the most impoverished counties in the United States. But she opens the film with children in this community, in this church, literally giving their pennies as if it's some sort of theological, maybe even cult-like sacrifice. It almost comes across that there's an unholy Ponzi scheme between the church, that church, or Christians in general, which I guess she wants us to believe, and the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, which is one of the main organizations that raises funds to support projects and bless Israel. And it's almost as if that unholy Ponzi scheme is to bilk poor families out of their hard-earned pennies. Now, the fact that she emphasizes pennies also has an anti-Semitic undertone. I remember as a kid in school, other children would throw pennies at me because I was Jewish. When, when you talk of giving money, to, giving pennies to Christians, there's an unavoidable anti-Semitic undertone to that. But anyone else who's depicting people collecting pennies for Israel coming from a truly anti-Semitic position would be slammed by, by Jewish and Christian organizations for representing such things. But not Maya and not till kingdom come. I have not seen a single person pick up on that or address it. Now, from my perspective, I look at things biblically. 
I looked at the scene of children bringing their coins from home, and I understand the imperative that many Christians, that I hope you, hold to bless Israel. It's rooted in Genesis 12.3. There are many ways to bless Israel. Certainly financially is one. And I looked at the scene and I came away with a very different perspective. I look at a church whose parents are teaching their children core values and, and foundation of their faith. How can you avoid Genesis? It's Genesis 12. It's not, it's not shoved somewhere in the middle of sacrifices in Leviticus. This is Genesis. This is God. This is like, okay, uh, this is the beginning stuff. Genesis, the, in the beginning, we're trying to teach core foundational values to our children. And you don't have to go more than 12 chapters to understand that it's centered around Israel. Now, I want to also point out my, my relatives before my family all ended up in New York came from different parts of the world. I mentioned my father is from Israel. His parents came from Poland. Relatives on my mother's side came from Russia. None of them were rich. In fact, many of them lived hand to mouth. They were poor. But in their day, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, they collected their pennies and they put their pennies in blue and white tin boxes to redeem this land that I live in, the land that they could only dream about. But they knew that God promised that he would redeem us too. And just because Maya doesn't understand or agree with it, why Christian support for Israel is any more loaded with malice than with genuine understanding and why people don't collect their pennies to put in a box to bless Israel, I don't get it other than bias. And one more point, from a Jewish perspective, um, we have a lot of commandments, a lot of mitzvot is the word in Hebrew. And one of them is to give what's called tzedakah. The literal, word, the literal translation is righteousness. And think about that the next time you give charity, because we use, the, we use the phrase charity more liberally. But when we give charity, it's an act of righteousness, which is why it's called tzedakah. It's a biblical obligation. Now, that biblical obligation applies to all, rich and poor alike. So if you only have pennies, if, you, if that's all you can give, that does not that does not mitigate your responsibility. And I just want to share a real quick personal story that's off topic a bit. Years ago, I was in a church in Lumberton, North Carolina. Never forget this moment. There was a lunch because I keep kosher. There's very little that I could eat at the lunch. And the pastor had me introduce me and had me speak over at the luncheon. Actually, it was a dinner. Excuse me. I think it was a dinner. And a woman came up to me. I can picture her vividly. And, and, and she looked disheveled. And she approached me with tears in her eyes. And she had something in her hand. And she opened her hand and gave me a penny, an actual penny with, with Abraham Lincoln's likeness on the top of it. And she said, with tears streaming down her face, she said, I'm sorry, this is all I can give. And I looked at her and I held her hand and, I, and still I'm getting tears in my eyes thinking of it. And I thanked her. And I took that actual penny that she gave me 
and I taped it to a piece of paper and I put it in an envelope and I put a stamp on it that was probably 50 times more valuable than the penny itself and sent it to my office so they could use that specific penny that she gave to bless Israel. So no, Maya, children giving pennies, even if they're poor, is not a curse. It is a blessing. There's another piece that Maya brings into the film that underscores the unholy alliance. When you hear me speak of being in the Judean mountains, I wish you could come and see it. I hope you will. I pray you will through my eyes. It is stunning. It is biblical. I like to refer to this as the original Bible Belt. But it's politically charged because I live over the green line. I live in what people call the West Bank. I live in Judea. And Judea is connected abundantly to the Jewish people, to the land and the people and the Bible. But there are people who believe that I don't have a right to be here that my, and that my being here somehow precludes the right of my neighbors who are Palestinian Arabs to be here. And when you do come, by the way, you'll see off the balcony of my, uh, of my house, of my apartment building, we have a Palestinian Arab village right in, in, in view. It's there. I mean, it's in the foreground. You could almost throw a rock at it. So the film alleges that there's tremendous financial and other support for Christians, uh, by Christians, for, quote unquote, the settlers, me, people who choose and to, to live over the green line in Jewish communities, restoring Jewish life here, which, which was, was ripped away from us in 19, uh, 1940, 48 and 49. Um, and, and the depiction of that is that everything about it is bad, is evil. Now, in fact, there was one, she does such a good job depicting it as bad that in one of the Q&A sessions, which was interesting, it was with, it appeared to be with other filmmakers or people in, the, in a film school at USC in California. It was a shocking question that was asked about the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews with which Maya and A.B. spent a lot of time. And the question was exactly this. Does the fellowship fund anything outside the settler movement? Think about that. This is an organization that raises $170 million a year last year, less than previous years, but still a lot of money. Do they fund anything other than the settler movement? So A.B. took that question and he said, oh, no, they also fund humanitarian projects. Well, other than the fact that his response was tepid and passive, it was certainly incorrect. And he made no effort to correct the misperception that his own film created. He, doesn't, he either doesn't know or is just not being honest about the fact that the overwhelming majority of uh, fellowship funding has nothing to do with, quote unquote, the settlements. In fact, in order to do this broad, broadcast and a webinar that we'll be uh, doing on the 29th of July that I hope you'll be able to join. Um, I, I did my own research. I wanted to be accurate. I, I think I thought I knew the answer, but I needed to be able to have something to back up my statements. So in fact, my survey, 
not scientific, but, but honest, I surveyed various nonprofits, relatively major ones that exist over the green line, quote unquote, in the West Bank. And I wanted to find out if there was any kind of significant amount of funding that's coming to support, quote unquote, the settlements, whether they be nationalist projects or whether they be social service projects. And I will tell you without a hesitation anymore and, and a minor exception of just a handful of organizations that raise funds almost exclusively from Christians, but whose total budgets represent just a fraction of the total budget of the fellowship, much less the, the rest of the funding that's coming from many, many, many evangelical ministries over the, uh, around the world. This film depicts the support for settlements as a reality that is patently not true. Now, she uses carefully edited clips and sound bites to support, to, to, to su suggest that there's disproportionate support from evangelicals to the settlement. And, and because of who's viewing the film, it's challenged, it's unchallenged as gospel. The reality is that proportionally, with the exception of one organization she featured, the Christian Friends of the Israel, Israeli Communities, very little Christian money comes into nationalist or social service projects over the Green Line, not in the West Bank and not even in Eastern Jerusalem. So either they don't know or they're making up facts to depict settlers and evangelicals in bed together in some unholy alliance. Now, I'm not a film person, but I have a little bit of integrity. It's kind of important to me in my life. Recently, I learned that Maya did some creative editing. Maybe, maybe that's how you become best editor in a, in a film competition. In fact, there were quotes that were made up and spliced together, particularly one from President Trump. And if you'd like to email me, I can give you the really great research that was documented about this. Um, not only about President Trump, but, but particularly. And I, I, I heard from somebody who doesn't support Trump and okay, that's fine. That's one's prerogative. Justifying the film as being credible because if, this is how the thought goes, if making up quotes attributed tr to Trump is the biggest issue with the film, I can live with that. Now, how, again, how intellectually dishonest. If someone's making up quotes, I would say no, full stop. There's a problem with the credibility of the film, of the editor. There's bias, whether it's left or right, whether it's Christian or Jewish. And if another director or producer were to make up something that's so biased with falsifying quotes, if it were a topic that, would, that had been politically correct, they'd have been raked over the coals. But no, not Maya. She's become the sweetheart. I don't know if she's up for a best editor award, but she's certainly given that new meaning. Um, it's troubling to me on a host of levels. But in the context of the film, gosh, she just diminishes the overall credibility.
it's important that the true story be shared. It's not a coincidence also that she ends the film with a, with a statement from the senior pastor of her favorite um, Kentucky, rural Kentucky church. In the Q&A session with the JCC that I mentioned before, she says the following. This is the message I wanted to say, I want to say as well to my audience. And I think that it's amazing that the message that I really want the audience will listen to is said by an evangelical pastor. And then she has this awkward laughing after this because somewhere deep down, she has to know that that's not honest. First of all, it's not a coincidence, Maya, that that's the that that's how she ends the film. She produced the film. But I also think if you pay attention to the film, in a few instances, you see her goading the pastor to make his controversial statement. And she's deliberately using this as her penultimate finale. At least for that, she has the honesty to make it clear that even if she's off camera, that she's leading the pastor. That's tainted but she takes his quote as a statement rather than leaving out, ra rather than including the few words that she says, that he says to her previous to the statement that she so takes exception to. She, the pastor says in response to her question, Maya, you don't want to hear me come across and say, and then he, then he almost acts the role that he thinks he's, she's looking for him to play. And he says something like this, stupid Jewish people, can't you see that the evidence is before you as he speaks about end times? But Maya uses that quote as if to say to me, to Israel and to Jewish people all over the world, Stupid Jewish people, can't you see the evidence is before you that Christians don't really love Israel, don't support Israel. And if they do, they do so with malicious intent. Yes, Maya, I'm nodding my head in violent agreement. The evidence is before us. You've produced a film that allows stupid Jewish people to misperceive what Christian support for Israel is about. You've produced a film that has the ability to push Jews and Christians further from each other than, than building common bonds over things in which we have that unite us. And that pains me a lot. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm the, as president of the Genesis 123 Foundation, we are hosting this webinar on July 29th to explore these issues, including what was said and what was not said, but what is critical to understand. It's important for me as an Orthodox Jew who understands and believes and has been blessed by an abundance of love and support to miss. Correct, to correct the false impressions and inaccuracies in the film. And we're going to do something that's really incredible. We're hosting not just a 
Christian media analyst by the name of Dr. Tricia Miller, who's an authority on false and misleading depictions of Israel in the media. But we're also hosting a man who's actually become a good friend of mine, Pastor Boyd Bingham. He's one of the two pastors at the Binghamtown Baptist Church in Kentucky who was featured in the film and who shared some things that he probably won't even share on camera um, when we do our, our webinar next uh, in the coming days. But he's very troubled by the depiction of him and his father and his community. So we're going to hear the truth. And I pray that you'll join us. <clears throat> I pray that you will be in touch, that you will continue to follow the Inspiration from Zion podcast. Um, we have an email, inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you want to register for the webinar, you're welcome to do that. Um, I have to mention at the conclusion here how grateful we are as an organization, and I am personally, that this podcast is sponsored by dear friends at the Willow Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're anywhere near Culpeper, Virginia, and you need something from a greenhouse, please go and and uh, and support them because they are blessing Israel. And if you're near Culpeper, Virginia, and want to just come pop in and give them a hug for me because I've not had the opportunity to do that, then please do that. And we're grateful for the sponsorship of the Coin family. They know who they are. And they modestly don't want to be recognized more than that. Um, if you'd like to talk about sponsoring future episodes, if you'd like us to celebrate special birthdays and anniversaries and milestones, if you'd like us to bring your prayers and pray for you here in Israel and pray for you at the Western Wall, we invite you to be in touch. And please follow this podcast. We're going to have uh, a session that's especially interactive on a monthly basis called Ask the Rabbi. So send your questions. What do you want to know about Judaism? What do you want to know about us as a people? And maybe we'll include those in future episodes. Um, my dear friends, wherever you're listening from, I, I thank you profoundly for taking the time to listen today. And I pray you'll continue to join us. And I pray that this will be enriching as, as we build bridges between Jews and Christians over the abundance of things that we share in common, starting with the God of Israel, the land of Israel, the people of Israel, and the blessed state of Israel. Thank you. Thank you for paying attention and for your interest and support. God bless you from the Judean mountains, and I pray you'll come and visit us soon. Hallelujah.